Hello and welcome to our latest episode of the Talking Heads podcast with me, Saul Walker. And me, Lucy Chamberlain. We can collectively heave a huge sigh of relief. Spring is here! Gardens up and down the UK are revealing glimpses of the season to come and this gentle crescendo of colour will only get better as the weeks and months pass by. Snowdrops, aconites, cyclamen and hellebores will gradually give way to irises, crocuses, daffodils and fritillaries. These displays, whilst diminutive in stature, are brazen in colour. And let's not forget the more sizeable camellias, azaleas and rhododendrons, along with forsythias, shenomalies, wisteria, cherries, lilacs and a plethora of other less mainstream plants. As spring unfurls, we're in for a guaranteed sensory bombardment. With discussions about all these plants and many more on the cards, join us now as we transport you into the busy and exciting world of the modern head gardener. Well, hello everybody. It is another episode of the Talking Heads podcast, coming to you at an unusual time of the week. Now, usually we record this quite early on the week, edit it and it comes out the weekend. We've actually recorded this quite late in the week. It's a Friday evening, which means we've had a full week of gardening. It's been absolutely beautiful sundown in Devon. We'll find out what it's like in Essex. I've had two gin and tonics because I didn't (laughs) realise we were going to film now. So if my waffle appears incoherent tonight... That's because I'm quite merry. Well, that's okay, because I'm slowly behind you. I've had one G&T when I was making my Thai green curry for tea tonight with homegrown pak choy. Ooh, lovely. That does maybe set the tone for what we're going to talk about tonight. Homegrown food. And just growing your own stuff, because we haven't, we realise we haven't touched on that topic for a while, and we know it's a lovely, lovely thing to talk about. We're very keen on our kitchen gardens at our respective estates, and we know you guys out there, we, um, when we look at our numbers of the... Who listens to what episodes? We could we tell there's there's nearly always a spike when it comes to grow your own. So we don't want to disappoint you. We want to talk, uh, but yeah, uh, I I don't feel too waffly. I'm not sure about this. Mine was a very weak dream to you. I'm looking at your eyes and your you're quite you've got a bit of a lean on. Uh, so this could be folks. This could be in a really interesting episode. We'll <laughs> wait and see how it all turns out. It's been quite a busy week for me in terms of the garden. We had the jubilee obviously last week. Um, mm. So we were off for quite a bit of time. So I've been trying to put the hours in this week. Also, we're sort of we're now in summer. So we're here. We're in summer. Uh, although the the weather's sort of there, but the temperatures have been a little low for us, I guess so far. I don't know. It's sort of been benign. I've been calling it a benign temperature temperature range. Not too cold. Not too hot. Goldilocks zone. That's maybe Goldilocks where we should go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Um, yeah, but just trying to get ahead of a lot of things. Lots of we've we're almost on top of all the weeds, which is fabulous. Why? Yeah, well done. Don't yeah, get on exactly. top of them all because then you'll make yourself redundant. You never yeah. want to get on top of all the weeds on the estate because otherwise the owners might start thinking, "Oh, we, we can reduce you. your hours." Yeah. So we're almost there with that. Um, the mowing's looking good. Actually, you know, the garden is looking for the start of June. Not too bad. We've had a bit of rain. We've had a bit of sunshine. So it's not really, again, Goldilocks zone. We're not really dealing with any extremes at the moment, which is quite nice in our line of work for June. You know, it looks like we're going into a good summer. I echo your thoughts entirely because we have had in Essex very similar weather to yourselves. It's not been really hot. We've had high teens in the day, maybe low 20s. We actually have had, and this is unusual for the county of Essex, we've had quite a lot of precipitation fall from the sky. We've had a good, in the last fortnight or so, we've had a good 20 mil, which for us at this time of year is brilliant because April, we know, was for most of the country was was bone dry. Yeah. 
and May has made up for things. And it seems to be that looking at the forecast for the local weather in the next week, 10 days, even a fortnight, I can see the temperatures are nibbling up into the low 20s and it is meant to be sunshine every day, all day. So my mind has been thinking, right, do you know what? We've had a wonderful May where everything's been growing really lush. It's not been parched. It's not been um, too dry. It's actually been really lovely weather for growing lush, abundant foliage. It's been absolutely brilliant. My plan is to keep riding that wave. I'm actually irrigating at the hall and at home because we're on light sandy soil. So I do need to be mindful of that. I don't want that moisture deficit to sneak in. I want it to carry on yeah. being as lovely and moist as it is in May throughout June as much as I possibly can. So, you know, I've got to, I'm not going to be frivolous with the irrigation, but at the same time, if I can, every three or four days, give the ground a really good soaking. I'm hoping that's going to continue this wonderful growth that we're getting because fingers crossed it's looking out to be a really great year just a great tip for getting things established as well whether you're in the veg or the fruit garden whether you're trying to get herbaceous established that you planted in the spring again the same with trees get the water in now uh don't have that gap which you know can send them backwards mm. once they get established they're more tolerant to later you know deficits in the moisture later in the year you know now's still a crucial time to get them to put those roots down if you can yeah like I say, i'm just going to try and ride that green wave of lush foliage as long as i can it will peter out when we start getting into the temperatures that are in the high 20s or the early 30s the plants will naturally just sort of start, start scorching mm. off and parching back and that's fine because that lushness that you get at the beginning of a really good spring it can't be sustained and i don't want to be sustaining it for too long because I am going to then be wasting my irrigation supplies. So, um, but yeah, I, I just want to try and stretch it out a little bit longer, as, as much into June as I possibly, possibly can. And we're already, you know, in, well into the f the first week of June, going into the second. So, mm. yeah, fingers and toes. Yeah. Uh, it's all going to look lovely and abundant. And the same with ornamentals, really, because they're starting to put on their flowers, especially if you've got herbaceous borders mm. going into June. The end of June, start of July is really the, the peak time for herbaceous borders. So, Keeping them growing, keeping them putting on that flower will make a really nice display later. And then once they've sort of gone over the flower, then you don't really need to treat them, you know, as gently. They can sort of meander off and do their own thing. So, yeah, keep going. Now is a crucial time to keep everything looking at peak perfection. Well, talking of perfection, I want to ask at Stonelands, how is your kitchen garden? Because I know those espalier apples are trained to their precision perfect. Uh, we know that they were damaged in the storms, but uh, I'm hoping there's, some, there's mm. some regrowth coming on with all this lovely wet weather. There is. Do you know, I'm really pleased with uh, Great. three. The, so three damaged espaliers, one pretty seriously took the top off and then two, just two sides of the espalier. So there's sort of that half espalier, all loads of growth. So I'm pretty pleased that I think it's going to take a few years, but we are we haven't lost them. That's the first thing. And the second thing is I think we can get them back looking like espaliers without them looking too you know, awkward. It'll be quite interesting. In about 20 years, someone will look at them and they'll all look even, you know, all the way around, but there'll be the one that looks just slightly odder than the others. So there'll be a story. <laughs> there'll be a story in that somewhere. I like telling stories with my plants. It's quite nice. You should put a little plaque up. Yeah. Yes. Here's where the tree landed on this apple. That, exactly. And this apple that went... That could be a winter job for you. I'm not having this. I'm going to regrow. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. You can't stop nature. You can't stop a good tree. No, absolutely. But otherwise, yeah, veg garden's a bit slow for me this year. Mostly, 
mostly mm. because uh, the continuation of my mice, my mouse problem in the oh, greenhouse yeah. means that I've had to re well, sweet corn I've had to re sow three times. So I, th I feel like I'm two, three weeks behind where I was the last year. It's not really the end of the world. Plenty of time still this year. You know, people are still sowing stuff. You know, you can still probably just about get away with sowing some of the later sort of more tender crops like sweet corn and uh, French beans and a few of those. You can probably still get away with sowing those. So How I'm, easily? I'm not feeling mm. too despondent by it. But when you do look at Twitter or Instagram, if you do that kind of thing, you do see people with sweet corn that's up to their heads. And you think, I haven't even, they haven't even germinated yet. Oh, well, we'll just get it later. We'll just get it later. Exactly, exactly. Don't don't get fall into that trap yeah. of who's first is best because it ain't true absolutely it's not that it's not necessarily the way to go sometimes it's pays to sit on your hands mm. and keep things held back because things can burn out and peter out so don't worry don't don't be despondent about that so and actually do you know what i was expecting from you a bigger mouse rant because <laughs> earlier in this week when we decided that we were going to record the podcast later in the week rather than on our usual Tuesday night, uh, I got some expletives <laughs> in a text from Saw and it was all about the mice. Uh, so I was expecting there to be much more passion and, and maybe a bit of anger in your voice. But I think maybe you've had time to reflect, um, you know, realise that, as you say, you can re-sow. The mice aren't all bad. They're, they have mouths to feed too, you know, we, we're all... We're very kind of free-thinking and open-minded in the gardening world, aren't we? Well, yeah, I just yeah, I do think it can be. I think the initial impact of seeing mouse damage is a lot worse than when you start thinking about it, you know. And the fact that you can resow and you just put in measures to try and you know stop the damage from happening. I've mostly been trying to elevate everything you know at what at some point <laughs> i'd love to see your greenhouse at the minute with all these things <laughs> well, yeah, swinging from the eaves yeah. <laughs> protected from the vice like, you know trying to prove to my gardeners that i know what i'm doing while i'm holding a pot in one hand and a tray in the other trying to balance it on some bit of small plastic in the eaves is it yeah it's it's good fun but yeah it's just you just got to discover techniques and ways of, around it or do you know the other thing i'm going to say is that um, seed sowing for gardeners is great and it certainly gives us great satisfaction but do remember that you don't have to sow seeds it does cost a little bit more but there are lots of the companies are producing plug plants out there there are yeah. you can go oh, out so and get them. plants so for example my tomatoes failed in, earlier in the year that wasn't the mice that was down to the seed must have been or maybe I just didn't get the sowing times or the the atmosphere the environment right for them so I did go out and buy tomato plants. You know, they they're out there. They're not that they're not that expensive. And it is a good way if you've got a small amount of growing space. If you haven't got a greenhouse, for instance, or you've a very small area, don't feel like you're a failure just because you haven't sown them for seed because everyone's going, oh, I've sown my seeds and look at all of them. You know, any way you can get plants to grow is great, you know, and get them through and just have those tomatoes in the end. So don't feel too bad. You know, if it doesn't all work, you can find ways around it. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I think, the, like you say, the range of vegetable plants now available as plug plants in garden centres and are online is phenomenal. So, yeah, it is very, very handy if you want to plug a gap or if mm. you, as you say, if you have a failed sowing or anything else like that, it's it's definitely the way to go. Um, so have you got anything actually out in the ground mm at Stonelands because we've been uh, that's one thing that has been dominating my activities and my thoughts for the last 
fortnight, and I can talk about that in a minute, but I want to ask you what you've got going so far. So onions and shallots have been in for quite a bit. They're romping away. They're, I think they're quite liking this mixture of uh, sun and, and rain. The one thing that, that has mm. been uh, quite key is the light levels at Devon have been quite high. You know, we've had quite yeah. good UV coming down from the sky. It's not been that cloudy. So the onions and shallots are looking absolutely fabulous. Potatoes are up and growing. Like I can't believe how quick potatoes start going when they do go, you know. For about three or four weeks, not doing anything, you're thinking, is it, did I plant potatoes in that patch? Then suddenly you see a little bit of green, they come up a little bit, you earth them, and then suddenly, whoosh, off they go. So the potatoes are all up. Beetroot's in, asparagus, we've been eating asparagus now for weeks on end, which is great. We, we had some tonight actually wrapped in prosciutto ham. So we're going into the culinary section of the podcast. That is the Lovely. way I love Very to nice. eat my, pros- my uh, asparagus. Prosciutto ham wrapped and then fry them off in butter. There you go. There's my uh, little tip there. Delicious. So asparagus. Um, raspberries are just... I did see your tweet today uh, about raspberries. Yeah. And I was thinking I'll go and check mine. Mine are still mm-hmm. green, but not too far off. I'm sure they'll be here quite soon. So I'm quite pleased with that. Um, apple fruit set is occurring, uh, both in the orchard and on the espaliers. So far, it looks reasonable. I'm not sure it's going to be a vintage year, but actually the fruit set looks okay. We'll have to see how the June drop goes. But um, overall, things are just, yeah, just growing away. I'm, I'm quite happy. I haven't got any, apart from the mice, no major issues, good. really. Good, good, good. That's, I'm very pleased to hear it. What about you? Come on, you're the, you are the fruit and veg queen. I bet you've got, <laughs> we've only got 20 minutes, so you're going to have to fit it all in, but I'll do I my bet best. you've got some stuff going, haven't you? Oh my God, have I? I, as I say, the last, um, yeah, it was, it was very cold in April and actually it was quite chilly in May. A lot of my tender stuff have only just put out. Right. So for example, so I'll talk about, obviously East Dolan Hall's got its lovely kitchen garden about two-thirds of an acre but also at home I have been planting my socks off I've got an event coming up in about a fortnight's time Mm. and I'm trying to make the garden look nice for that my own garden so the project now is to get lots of stuff in the ground lots of transplants out of the greenhouse into the ground and I've got time now to sow some drills of quick maturing things such as mustards and radish uh rockets that kind of stuff to just sort of like keep the, the beds looking nice and productive and to keep that cycle of things going. Catch crops. The, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I've just got I've, any bare ground. My policy, whether it be at East Island Hall or in my own garden at home, if I can see a best space emerging or save my lettuces, I'm, I've harvested loads of lettuce. I'm on my second crop of lettuces now. Uh, so those are all heading up and maturing. So I'm eating through those as quickly as I can and my pack choys are heading up. So... As soon as you see that those crops are harvestable and you're working your way through them, think what's going to go in there? What's going to go in there instead? So very quickly, as you say, you're actually going to garden centres or via mail order. If you want to, you can just plunk plug plants in. Mm. It's a very straightforward thing. Or if you're like me, you've already thought two or three weeks prior, right, okay, I've sown this. This can be jump ready to jump into the grave of, as I say, my pak choy for the moment is I had a lovely pak choy with my Thai curry tonight absolutely delicious but it's all mature headed up and I want to get it out and I want to get new stuff in to keep the the ground productive so there's yeah there's lots of sowings I'll be I'm going to be sowing way into July um going into early August so can I can I ask I'm quite interested because you do grow a lot more veg than I do and probably a lot more veg than most people are listening to this podcast (laughs) but do you sow stuff speculatively that you think you may need or do you actually know 
where everything is going to go. I just, because yeah. you were talking about those catch crops. I just wondered if sometimes you think, right, I'll sow a load of, I don't know, quick maturing lettuce, yeah. you know, cut and come again lettuce. And then if I have space, I'll put them out. If I don't, maybe put them in a pot. I don't know, something like that. I, I What I do is I have certain beds where I know I've got long-term crops in there. So, for example, my overwintered broad beans are uh, were in there from October through until um, the end of May. They were pulled up now and on the compost heap and the broad beans are in the freezer. My spring sowing of broad beans are bulking up and they're actually podding up right now. And I know they're going to be in the ground for quite a long time. So my brain can go, okay, I haven't got to worry about that bed for the moment, I've got, for example, things like peas that are just podding up now, some hearse green shaft peas that are looking really good. They're in full flower and I've got some lovely pods on them. I've got some French beans in that, again, I know uh, they're quite small because they couldn't get outside because the nighttime temperatures have been so cold. And you put them mm. out about a week ago and they're under actually glass okay. glass cottages at the minute because the nighttime right. is still a little bit chilly for things like French beans. So those areas, I'm like, OK, nothing's going to be ready to go into those spaces anytime soon um but thick very quick to crop salads like i've got loads of pak choy uh i've got mizuna i've got um uh, chicories lots of lettuce uh, corn salad i've had my annual spinach crop has been fantastic that's all in the freezer i sowed loads early on and i'll also sow loads in the summer going into the autumn but i don't sow annual spinach through the summer because actually it just runs up to seed and, and bolts yeah so what i've done is sown loads in the sunny corner of my garden in the spring and put them under glass cloches, harvested the socks off them because they, in that lovely spring, lovely moist conditions while it's warm, they bulk up phenomenally and they're all now, I said, gone and put in the freezer. So then I knew I'd got some gaps to fill. So, yeah, like I say, it, it depends on the crops that I'm growing in question, but I do know I've got a variety of very quick to, to mature stuff. So I'm always sowing quick to mature things to jump into its grave. So I've got a, a long-term crops and short-term things all going on. I'm quite interested also about your division between East Donland, the estate you work at, and your garden. Do you, do you keep them very separate when it comes to the sowings and the growing on? Or do you, do you sometimes take some stuff from East Donland and bring it home? Or, you know, vice versa, if you know that you've got something that's working somewhere else and you can bring it home? Yeah, do you know, I used to religiously actually... right. Just keep the two places separate. Separate, okay. Always used to. And now I'm like, do you know what? Why am I, why do that? Because yeah. um, I've, for example, I think I mentioned right early on in the year that I'd saved East Donland about £200 by not ordering many veg seed this year because I get given so many as a member of the press to trial, which is absolutely a wonderful position to be in. So yes, I sow a load either in my own greenhouse or at the hall and... And then if there's a few spare that I think I can winkle those in at home, then I'll do so. I sowed loads of chilies at home that I've then put into the, the greenhouse at the hall and lots of sweet peppers. So actually, it's much more fluid and organic now. I just think if I've got the, the crops, um, I, especially for home, because I, I love growing all, all sorts of different things just to try it and experiment. And then I also think the more variety of crops you've got growing at any one time, the less likely you are to have a glut of one thing because you're growing a short drill of this and a short bed of that. Uh, the hall, that I know what the taste of the hall are. I know what crops they really like to grow and to uh, sorry and to also eat in the in the in the house. So there's things that I might not put into the hall gardens that I would grow in my own garden at home. Pak choy, for example, I won't grow at the hall. They wouldn't eat that. And I know for a fact that the owner um, 
is not a fan of butternut squash. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I had, that, made yes. the mistake one year of um, I'd sewed some extra and I thought, Do you know what, I'll put them in the beds of the hall and uh, and they'll love them because <laughs> who doesn't love a roasted butternut squash? Oh, goodness, it caused a right kerfuffle. So <laughs> I have no, right. never to do that again. But I, I've got on my allotment, I've got loads of butternut squash that I've just planted out underneath my sweet corn. I'm doing the, the two sisters cropping um, program where you've got your sweet corn <laughs> And just the, the squashes. third one's gone AWOL. Yeah, the runner beans. I'm like, do you know what? On I've, holiday. Well, I've, you know, I've tried the three sisters. I don't think it works very well, to be honest. But the two sisters. No, I agree. No, I've great. tried it as well. Yeah. yeah the, the, the butternut squash and the sweet corn, that's fine. Yes. You add the beans, it, they don't grow. It's as quite well. ambitious. I think maybe when it originated, I think it was an American principle. Um, maybe in the climate when they've got a long, hot growing season and, and, and more weeks to play with than we have in the UK, yeah. it probably is more efficient. But I've, I've found that. A grand cover of a, of a winter squash or some kind of trailing squash and the sweet corn plants. So we've got them all planted through Mypex on the allotment, which is a weed control fabric because um, it's very, very weedy on the allotment. We found out last year to our cost. Um, that seems to be a very good way of a, creating a low maintenance allotment that looks after itself. That's what we need because we've got so many things going on. I said to you before we press the, the call button, my head is spinning at the minute because we've got Gardener's World next week so I'm away from East Donnellan Hall and my own garden for um, four or five days and when I come back I've got a week before this event at home and yeah I've, I'm literally writing lists of what I've got to do um, so at the minute it's focusing on planting and when I come back from Gardener's World I'm going to be so focused on weeding and doing the edges and pruning and tying stuff in and just all that lovely kind of like titivating getting all the labels out and that kind of stuff so yeah there's a there's a lot going on in my poor little brain at the moment <laughs> to be Do honest you know i'd say it's, it's that time of year we mm. we literally are we've sort of we've got through mad may as i call it and now we're going through uh i don't know crazy june yeah and then it really is not until that end of july when i feel like the garden's slowed down enough that i can almost catch up with my own head yeah. because the garden is going at a hundred, hundred miles an hour. It's great. You know, we, we are now sort of enjoying uh, all that planning and perspiration and, and hard work that we did during the, the winter and, and, and the early spring, but um, it's just trying to keep up with it and just keep up with the growth and, you know, get the jobs in, you know, mm. I, I, I regularly have a week where I have, you know, I set myself a few, ta- uh, not uh, a, a couple of tasks, more than a couple tasks, and I never get every single one of the dumb. I don't beat myself up as much as I used to about not getting everything done, but it would be nice one year <laughs> to get everything that I think I can done done. But I don't know. Yeah, Maybe but that's, that's not just that, that's not how you and I work. I think you are the kind of people that we know that if we got everything done, we then think of another job to do just to make sure that we're that's really it. doing our best because that's how we tick, and that's sort of what keeps us. Same, but teetering on the brink of slight um, insanity at this time of year. I went, for example, I say it's been so cold uh, in this spring. I think we, what I would call a, this feels like to me a proper spring. You know, we've had quite cold weather. It's only just getting warm. The the tender crops, I say normally I'd be having them outside and in the ground in the middle of May. This year I've had to sit and wait, which is what I was referencing about social media platforms you sometimes you do need to sit and wait my tomatoes have only just gone out my 
French beans are out under glass cloches. My runner beans have only just gone on the allotment. I still have yet to put the runner beans out at East Donnellan Hall. And the tomatoes haven't gone around the wall kitchen garden at East Donnellan Hall yet. That's going to be a job for me on Monday before I go off to Gardeners World Live. I'm desperate to get these plants now in the ground. But it feels like this year the window to get the plants in the ground, the tender plants I'm talking about here, that, that can't go out before it's too too warm, Yeah, it's really been squished. Because mm. because of that cold spring, which has been, you know, I think that's been actually quite good. But now my chance to get tender plants in the ground is literally, where is it normally would be maybe three weeks or so. It's just been squeezed into two weeks and one of those weeks I'm away. So, yeah. you know, and I don't know about you, Typical. but I also find that looking after the greenhouse as the summer progresses can be tricky. My fo- My main focus is to, from April, May onwards, the plants that I've propagated there all in the modules and the seed trays and the pots is to get them in the ground as soon as I possibly can because otherwise you are having to keep going back to the greenhouse Mm. and irrigate it over weekends or if you've got staff not coming in every day or staff that aren't really confident in watering you then have to go in and water on their behalf and so yeah it's 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 really been squished this year it really has because of because of that um that cold temperature yeah, and it's the same with the ornamentals. I've got to say my gingers or my ginger collection, my hedicium collection is reasonably slow, although it is starting to uh, quicken up a little bit. And the problem is, is as tender plants tend to quicken up, then you have to go with the watering and the feeding just to, because they're such short uh, season plants. You know, it's not like they've started in March and they, they go all the way through. You know, they've literally got a two month period to put all on all their vegetative growth and flower. So they need as much energy as they can get in that short time period. So, yeah, my life at the moment is I, I've really got the um, I, I, I don't know the brand name. I think it's a German, but I got this automatic feeder, which connects on the end of the hose. And they're usually rubbish, the ones I've tried in the past. But this one from Germany is absolutely fantastic. Spot on oh, there you go. thing. I, I might talk about it in a later podcast. But the great thing is I can stick that on the end of the hose and I can go around and feed everything without having to do the, oh, the whole measure out until wa- wa- uh, watering can, fill it up. Then you realise one watering can only fills about two pots and then you're back again. You know, it, take, it used to take hours. Now it takes something like half an hour or so, which is quite pleasant. Is it like my retractable hose pipe and it's changed your life? Because, oh, the joy of it all. <laughs> you know, just make your life a bit easier. If Definitely. Is, if, you, if, you, if you have got a lot to do, mm. don't wallow in the in the hard work and think, yes, I'm a hardworking, get the watering cans. You know, get yourself a retractable hose because they are just fabulous with the proper endings, proper lances and all kinds of things. Just oh. makes your life so much easier at this time of year. I used mine this morning on my own garden. I gave it a re- everything a really good drenching, as I was saying, to kind of keep this moisture level topped up. Um and I'd finished the watering. I'd been out there for about an hour. I got my little diluter uh, applying liquid feed into the nozzle on, on the top. And I undid all the connections and I th- and then I released the pressure so it could recoil back. And I just let the thing go. And it, it was such a joy just watching <laughs> 40, 50 foot of hosepipe just coil in upon itself. And I, yeah. you know, I will never tire of that sound, that whir, whir, clunk, clunk as it does it. It's like, oh, I haven't got to do this myself. Thank goodness. Can I talk quickly about planting? I've referenced that. I am planting my socks off at the moment. Now, we need to give thought to planting out our veg and our herbs because often we just um, maybe want, we just grow what we like to eat and we just put it in the garden and think, okay, I've planted it, it's going to grow. But 
please do think quite carefully about the positioning of your crops. This is something I feel really quite strongly about. And I have been practicing this in the wall kitchen garden at East Dunland, then in my own garden at home, and just witnessing the results and thinking, this is so the way forward with growing fruit and veg. Put your veg where it wants to grow. It's like yeah. fruit trees, you know, plant them where they want to grow. I've, if anyone ever comes along to any of my talks about kitchen gardens, I will bang on about this, so I do apologise. But things such as, going to just quickly to a fruit, things like sweet cherries, apricots, figs, nectarines, peaches, gauges, all those really sugar-laden fruits require the sun to get sweet. So put them against a south or west facing wall. It's very similar with veg. If you're growing things that love the heat so light, we know our tomatoes, our chilies, our peppers, things like okra as well. Uh, there's aubergines, there's loads of heat-loving crops. Please do put them somewhere sunny. You know, that's that's the whole objective. And if you think sometimes maybe you can't give them full sun all the time, plant them in the pot so you can maybe move them around the garden so you can at least exploit as much of that sun as you can. Your plants will thank you for it. They want the sun, so put them in the sun. If you put them in the shade, the flavour will be insipid. All these, like I said, the tomatoes, chilies, sweet pepper, uh, they all, again, have got sugars in them, but the sugar can only be formed if they're in the sun. And then conversely, I'm thinking about putting out all my salads. I know in the spring, I can put my spinach, for example, in the sunny corner because the temperature is actually quite gentle. It's only like maybe 12, 13, 14, which is actually quite modest and perfect for growing leafy crops like that. But come the summer, I will not put my annual spinach or any other leafy crops that like to run up to seed like coriander or rocket or pak choy. I won't put those in full sun. I will put them on the more north or east side of the kitchen garden and also my garden at home. Because in full sun, they will just dry out and they'll run up to mm. seed really, really quickly. So those sorts of crops I do put in, I say more of a shady side in the summer. But then I haven't just saw, do you know, realize we've 29 minutes in. I haven't mentioned Agretti yet in the veg podcast. <laughs> what? Agretti? <laughs> here we go. Ta-da, it's here. Agretti. And I put a tweet out today, my globe artichokes. Uh, there's, uh, I've got some sea kale in my garden now. I always put those in full sun because they're drought tolerant. The globe artichokes are whacking great big rooted things they've got so a I've lovely just seen the, I've just seen the photo yeah you're very you're you're you're, you're modeling it very well i'm cupping it well it's a beautiful artichoke <laughs> you know i'm looking for, it's the first cut i'm very proud of it the agretti again is a, is a maritime plant it loves my sandy free draining soil it loves dry conditions so there are some veg that actually are very happy in full sun in a drier soil for the whole of the summer and again like i say they'll grow well there they'll 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 thank you for that you know we keep thinking about how we, we grow ornamentals and, you know, we know that rhododendrons, for example, like acid or clematis, like their roots in the shade or roses like heavy clay and so do hellebores and all that kind of stuff. Apply the same thinking to your edible crops because, God, it makes a difference. I can't bang on about it enough. Sorry, but it's it really does help you. And spacings, you know, if you're on the light soil, plant wider. You know, if you're going to uh, don't just keep watering the stuff. Go for wider spacings. That's what I do at home. And if you're on a, a heavier soil, then ridge it up. Do the raised beds. But on my light sandy soil, I do not have raised beds because I'd be forever watering the things, you know. There's there's a lot to think about with planting. Do, um, it's a huge subject. Yeah, so. do, do you know, one of the things that I've discovered, and I don't know whether you think this is right or not, is 
the use of structures. So I have these beautiful bamboo structures, which I grow my beans and various things. Up. Yeah, I know. You can they're great. use them quite nicely, actually, to produce maybe a little bit of shade if you need it in a, in a yeah. corner. Same yes. with the salad mm -hmm. crops. I do find the lettuces that I do grow, if I ever do, grow better behind in just a tiny bit of shade, you know, dappled sunlight mm -hmm. rather than in the full sun. So I think, you know, absolutely right well think of an allotment you know uh, most people with allotments are they are in a fully open site it's more unusual to get large dominating trees mm. or anything that casts shade on an allotment so most my allotments in full sun like i said there's no water there <laughs> we have to say if we want the water we have to take our own and it's on light sandy soil. i mean my god you wouldn't think you'd be able to grow anything there but we do you know as i say the weed control fabric for us keeps the soil moisture where it is we've added loads of muck into the soil through the winter because the soil's as I say it's light so it's got low fertility but the muck also holds on to moisture that organic matter and is, is a source of nutrients but also it locks onto any moisture that does fall so you know we you, you there are lots of ways around what we inverted commas called tricky situations um so just do apply a bit more thought to the placement of your fruit and your veg because it makes life easy also you get brilliant harvest as a result which which is not a bad thing Do you know i think we may come back to a podcast about tricky situations in veg and fruit that sounds like a topic for the future now oh, before go. we because we've we could talk about this forever i know or like you could at least talk know, about I, fruit and sorry, veg forever. yes <laughs> uh we just want to say that next week uh lucy's already already mentioned it we are both at gardeners world live at the nec uh, we will be doing our usual, I think this is our seventh year, something like that, seventh yeah, year. at least that. Yeah. Doing the plant expert stand. We're also doing some garden or flower plant tours first thing in the morning. And if any of you who listen to us regularly are coming to the show, please come and say hello. We love meeting our listeners, learning more about why you like the podcast, what you want us to talk about. If you have a question, bring them, bring uh, queries to the desks, all kinds of things. We love it. So uh, that is going to be from Thursday of next week to the Sunday. So we will try and endeavour. We're pretty busy. We're going to try and endeavour to bring you a couple of episodes uh, of the podcast from the show itself, just to give you a flavour if you're not going. But uh, we'd love to see you if you are going. With today's podcast at an end, we hope we've given you a glimpse into our respective gardening lives. Spring is such an incredibly crucial time in the garden, so stick with us over the coming episodes as we guide you through the key tasks of the season. Whether it's propagating seeds, planting up borders, thwarting weeds or wielding those secateurs, we'll ensure your gardening season remains on track with our guidance and encouragement. And if you've enjoyed listening to us, we'd love you to leave a review via your preferred podcast provider or on one of our social media platforms. Interact with us via our Twitter accounts at Gardening Saul and at HeadGardenerLC. Lucy is also over on Instagram, again, HeadGardenerLC. If you feel so inclined, you can even support us at buymeacoffee.com slash talkingheads. Your support would mean so much to both of us. Spring offers some of the most exciting transformations. Within weeks, the muted landscape around us will become evergreener and more floriferous. We are in for an utter treat. So until the next episode of Talking Heads, goodbye. goodbye.